Welcome to How Did I Get This Far? Each episode will tackle the basic skills and knowledge that we all completely missed learning. Soon enough, you'll stop having to ask yourself, how did I get this far? On this episode of How Did I Get This Far, we talk about resumes. Am I the only one who's been putting the home address on the resume? And we talk about how to show and not just tell our skills. And when it comes to networking, who should we reach out to? All that and more right now. Hello, everyone. Have you ever applied to so many jobs that you felt like you should have been getting paid for it? Well, to help us get through job seeking are my guests, Cindy Kaplan and Angela Selak, friends and co-creators of the entertainment-focused resume writing and career services business, Hollywood Resumes. Since founding the company in 2016, Angela and Cindy have helped professionals at all levels and across industries craft their job application materials, including resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles. They also regularly teach workshops and host online professional development classes. They've loved helping their clients reach their career goals over the years, and now that they are on the podcast, Cindy and Angela are here to help you improve your resume and cover letter as well. Hi, ladies, and welcome. Hi, Hi. thanks for having us. I know we talked about how we originally met through a Facebook group for entertainment assistants, but then I realized I actually have met you two in person before. There was a networking event through the Facebook group, and you two had started your own business, so that stood out to me, and I realized your services are not only helpful to those who are attending the networking event, but really anyone searching for a job. So that really stood out to me and seemed like you guys would be a great guest for this topic. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad we could reconnect. And it's okay if you don't remember meeting me. Um, That just means that once we get to the networking portion of this interview, (laughs) that I should really pay attention. (laughs) Um, So with resumes, I do have one fail story. I'm sure you guys can relate or have people that have related to the pressure of finding a job after college. And no matter what, I wanted to make sure I found a job. Uh, even if it was only remotely appealing. And I'm obsessed with cupcakes, even though my whole resume has to do with casting and the entertainment industry. I applied to be a manager at a bakery in my hometown. And I had the interview scheduled with the owner of the bakery. And he looks at my resume and he sees like an internship in a talent agency and then a casting office and then a commercial casting office. And he goes, so you seem to have a lot of unrelated experience. Do you even want this job? And I said, no, I just really want cupcakes. And we (laughs) agreed that I should leave (laughs) and that this was not for me. So um, I'm sure you guys have plenty of funny stories that we can dive into. But first, tell us a little bit about what made you so interested in starting Hollywood Resumes. Well, we had been doing resumes for our friends and for a while um, since we started out in the industry. And it's started to kind of get to a point where people were asking, hey, can you do my friend's resume? And Mm -hmm. we realized that there was a market for this, that there was a need for it. And also we were hiring a lot of people, interns or assistants or whatever for our various departments um, at our full-time jobs. And we kept getting all these bad resumes. So we, we thought, okay, you know what? It's time. Why don't we just start this as a company? And when we first started, we were targeting only entry-level candidates because we thought that's who would need it most. And we very quickly learned that that was not the case. So now we serve all aspects of the entertainment industry at every level. Yeah, And we also work with some clients outside of the entertainment industry who found us in various ways um, because a resume is the resume, uh, as long as you follow certain rules. And we know a little bit about other industries as well and do some research when we have other clients um, to make sure that we're following those protocols too. 
Yeah. And I, there's so many different industries and I'm sure resumes are to be adjusted accordingly. Uh, we'll try to keep it pretty general to cover all topics today and we can dive into further industries um, in the future. We can also dive into so many aspects of career services that you two offer. Um, but for this episode, we're going to focus on resumes, cover letters, and a bit on networking. But before we dive into those questions, I have a little game for you guys. So I'm going to call this Superlatives Resume Edition. I'm going to name some superlatives, and you will just give me your best story that matches these superlatives. Are you ready? Yes. Sure. Okay. The first one is most bizarre resume. Well, probably about eight or 10 years ago, I was hiring an intern and um, we got a bunch of resumes and one of the resumes was a two pager. And the second page was a bunch of pictures of a girl in cat costumes, various kinds of cat costumes. Any chance this was a mistake email or <laughs> was this on purpose? It, we have no idea what was going on in this person's mind. <laughs> no, yikes. I wonder if she would have gone, if she did get an interview, if she would have shown up in one of those cat costumes thinking, eh, it works. Maybe. People like these costumes. <laughs> Maybe we should have called her in. <laughs> Just to see. <laughs> All right, the next one. Worst resume advice off of the internet. So this one drives us crazy. There's some, someone came up with this idea that you should do a skills graph which is basically reading yourself out of five stars for various skills. And these could be um, software skills, or they can be just like soft skills, like communication um, or, you know, people person or something like that. And people will rate themselves like three out of five or two out of five or five out of five. And I guess the idea is that this way you're giving hiring managers like a realistic idea of what you're capable of, but it's not This isn't the time to be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just silly. Like people aren't, you know, Yelp restaurants. They're not movies. Like it's very bizarre to give yourself a rating. Certainly no one wants to see anything lower than a five out of five, but no one's going to believe a five out of five. Yeah. Who's doing, <laughs> what's the scale to assess this? So we see that as like cool advice and it's, it's terrible advice. Don't rate your skills, just list skills that you have. Um, right. And only tangible skills, not soft skills. Yeah, I agree. List the ones that you know deep down you would have given yourself five stars. And don't bring attention to the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> or just work on them privately. <laughs> All right, my next one. Best attempt at fluffing up your resume. We one time saw a resume uh, where I think it was for a PA or someone, uh, an assistant, someone early in their career. And their task had been to get lunch for the crew on the show. And so this person wrote, uh, acquired meals to provide sustenance for the crew. So you got lunch. <laughs> so yeah, there's no need to fluff it up that much on simple tasks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Group that with other, you know, similar administrative or small tasks. Like sustenance wouldn't ever be appropriate on a person's <laughs> resume. <laughs> I, I can't think of a reason why it would be. <laughs> All right, the next one. Most frustrating cover letter mistake. So one really annoying thing, when if you're ever a hiring manager, you'll figure this out really quickly. But when people try to school you on the type of work that your company does, for example, you know, this company is known for creating some of the best TV shows, and they use this approach to do that. 
and you're like, well, how do you know? You don't even work here. I know what I do. (laughs) What can you do that actually will help me versus telling me about my own company? So, you know, your cover letter should be about you, not about the company. Accurate point. I really wonder if I ever did. I don't think I did, but we'll touch on cover letters a little bit more soon. Uh, Okay, the last one for the superlatives, most casual cover letter or email. So this one is a, a tie for me. Um, once I got an email from a person I'd never met before that just said, Hey, I saw you posted this job opening. Would love to chat with you about coming in to interview. And I was like, who are you? Do we know each other? Like what's with the, Hey, the chat? no, no context whatsoever as if we were actual friends. Um, the other one it was an email. Didn't say dear Cindy. Didn't say like, didn't sign the person's name. Just literally said for your eyes only and attached a resume. So it might be like a line between casual and creepy, but it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> That's terrifying. It sounded like you were being sent on some crazy mission. Yeah, like at least give me some context as to who you are before you send me secret documents about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being casual in emails, what is the right, this is a debate I've had with many people, what the right word is to use to start a professional email. Obviously, dear makes a lot of sense, but it can come off overly formal. And then there's hello, and there's hey, which I say is absolutely a no. But what about hi? Is that like friendly and a little professional? What do you think? We like hi. Yeah, hi. Yeah, if you're, if you're sending a formal cover letter, which would be an attachment, you would use dear. But if it's in the body of an email, hi. I don't think anyone's ever going to like balk at hello. Howdy also I've seen. Howdy. I've seen howdy and and that's just, that's too much for me personally. Now we'll go into actual advice. Uh, So we'll start with resumes. First off, how do you even draft a resume? What's a really great way to even start from a blank page of paper? I started with just a template I found on the internet and just started putting in my info. Is that a good idea or is there something better? So there are plenty of templates that are just fine. And, you know, using something that hiring managers are familiar with is great. But the most important thing before you choose a template is you need to remember that your resume has to tell a story. So you should pick the template that that is going to help you tell that story. So you think about a good story has a beginning, middle, and end. So at the beginning, what's the first thing they need to see? Well, they need to see your name and your contact info. But beyond that, the next thing that's on there is going to give context for the rest of the resume. So if you're a recent grad, you want to call attention to the fact that you just graduated. So your education would be at the top. But if you've been working in you know, the same type of field for several years and you know, you're just trying to transition to another company, probably the last company that you worked at should be the first thing. Sometimes it might be a professional summary. And then you kind of work your way down from there. You want to be able to create some sort of timeline that shows a hiring manager your career trajectory. So you want to make it really easy for them to read straight down the page. That's probably the best starting place is thinking about what's your structure and what's your timeline. I would say, I would add to that, you don't want to trap yourself with a template. So if you're finding that you can't fit your experience into the way that the margins are set up in a certain template that you've downloaded, or it's just not working or leading onto a second page, try a different template, make your own one. Like it's, it's not that hard. It doesn't have to be something that is pre-existing. And one piece of advice I would give about picking a template is that you want to lead with your company name and not your title because hiring managers are more interested in seeing where you've worked. Um, And they also want to see what you've done, but titles can mean a lot of different things. So that's our preference to, to lead with company. 
instead of title. And you'll see a lot of templates online that have you leading with title and that's just for the most part, not ideal. Yeah. These are good, small pieces of advice that adjust a resume that I, I, I love that. And I have plenty more that we can dive into. So I'm going to ask you a couple more if these are good or bad. What are your thoughts about putting color in your resume? We typically stay away from color. Um, if you have a little bit of color in your resume, you're not going to not get hired because of it. And you're not going to get hired because of it. So you just have to keep that in mind. As long as it's easy to read, a little bit of color is fine. But we highly advise against graphic design in resumes. You want to create your resume in Word and save as a PDF because applicant tracking systems can't read graphic resumes. Mm -hmm. So you know, and we, we can talk about later how we actually advocate going beyond applicant tracking systems and trying to find a real person. But besides that, if you are trying to, you know, stand out in a filter, a uh, graphic resume is not going to help you. And we also tend to find that those types of resumes, they use up a lot of valuable space and don't allow you to get as much important information across. I can see it being used as a way to fill up some more space if you don't think you have enough material mm -hmm. to put in there. I have another one that I think is a little weird, but it's so normal. So maybe it is supposed to happen. <laughs> what about putting your full home address on a resume? You don't need it. It's not necessary. Um, Again, you're not going to get hired or not get hired because you have your full home address. The one thing is I would say sometimes people do notice if you live really far away from the office, that might be a red flag for them. So we typically say leave it off, but just make it clear what city that you live in. If, it's, if your most recent jobs have all been in the same city, that's pretty obvious. But if not, then just indicate at the top what city you're in so they know that they're not having to relocate you. That is very helpful. It puts a lot of things into perspective because I never understood why I've been doing that and just giving everyone my address. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my last one. I have a lot more bullet points in my resumes as far as the companies I've worked with and my experience. And so my resume gets full pretty quickly. And I know I want to keep it to one page. I think everyone knows that's like, well, maybe not everyone knows, but that is the golden rule. It should be one page. I've kept all my experience on there, including things like my internships from years and years and years ago. Do you think there's a point that you should take it off your resume or if it's relevant, try to keep it in there? If you have enough experience um, beyond an internship, I would say you can take those internships off because it, it, they're really only there to show that you've you know, had some experience, but you don't need to have your entire biography on your resume. Uh, we like to say resume is more about, it, it's more like a marketing document than a biography. So you wanna be thinking about what jobs you're going for, what your future is looking for, what different, um, what the hiring manager is looking for for that particular role. So they're not really gonna be paying attention to what you did as an intern if you have other much more impressive experience. And then you can also consider grouping some freelance jobs together or leaving off any short-term ones. So if you did something for two to three weeks, if it's not exactly adding anything new to your skill set, um, and it's not on a project that's like a big wow moment in your career, then it's okay to leave it off if it's gonna just be repetitive of something else that's there. It's totally fine if you have the same title on lots of different shows, put them all together under one freelance heading. That sounds great. That is definitely going to save me so much room on my resume. And I think that's really helpful. What about font and font size? Is there a one size fits all with that? Yes and no. So do not use Times New Roman is the one that's thing out. you would say. Yeah, that's, that fad has passed. That's for college. 
college paper. So yeah, pick something that works for your personality, but don't get too extreme. You want it to be something that's easy to read. So for example, we like Calibri a lot. That's a, that's a very, you know, standard font that looks modern, but is very, you know, clean. So, you know, limit within those kinds of fonts and pick something you like. And don't go under font size 10 for any of your any pieces of your resume. 11, 12, that's all fine too. It really depends on how much space you need to conserve. Mm-hmm. And you should always have the same font consistent throughout your resume. So don't put your name in like a cool, swirly, you know, font and then everything else in Calibri or, you know, your headings in some like impact style font. It should really just be like a very clean, consistent document. Okay, so now we're going to go into a little bit more of the meat and potatoes of the resume, and that is the bullet points in them. What is your advice for the bullet points in a resume? Okay, well, first of all, every bullet point should start with a strong action verb. So if you look at a job posting and you see the kinds of things that they're asking for, communicated or supported or whatever, there's all kinds of things. Make sure that you're matching those up. Um, and you can sometimes even pull from, directly from the job posting and put those into bullet points or tweak them a little bit to show that you have the exact skill. But the first bullet point in each section should give context about the role. So if it's a company that's not well known, make sure you explain that you did X, Y, and Z for this type of a company or this size of a company. Or if the company's more well known, what's the department? What think of the headline of what your main job function is in that role, and that's how you lead. So you can help the hiring manager picture you in that role, and then the subsequent bullet points will, you know, expand on some of the more specific responsibilities that are relevant to the posting. So again, don't have tons and tons. Five is a lot. Three is ideal. Four is okay. If you absolutely have to have five, then that's fine, but never more than that. And you also want to avoid it looking like a just too much text. So we like to make them either one line or one and a half lines so it creates more white space. You just have to make it easy to read. But use the job posting as a guide. That should be what tells you what you need to have in there and what things you don't need to have in there. And it's fine to have a separate master resume with a million bullet points and you can pull the ones you need for each job. But just tweak it for the job that you're applying for. You also want to vary the verbs. So you don't want to have every single bullet point start with supported or developed. You want to think about what are different skills that you can bring to the table or just slightly different ways that you can communicate a skill. Because the goal is, again, not to show everything you've ever done, just to show what your relevant experience is. So once they've seen that you can do a certain task or that you've you know, accomplished something in, in one job, unless you're adding more to that story in a in another job you don't need to repeat that bullet point um and also i I know for some reason this trips people up but responsible for isn't a verb um (laughs) but that that's something we see a lot even after people are like yes i only use strong action verbs in my resume we'll get their resumes and it'll say responsible for and that's just you know pick the thing that you were responsible for and lead with that. Like if you were responsible for allocating a budget, then write allocated budget. I definitely have heard to use a job ad as a guide for your bullet points to adjust them to basically be what they're looking for. Don't copy them exactly, but 
I agree that it should be a guide. One one note on that though is that you don't want to include soft skills on your resume, and that's something that some job postings will include. Like they'll say we're looking for a forward-thinking innovator, and you don't want to write, you know, I'm a forward-thinking innovator on your resume because anyone can say that it's it's kind of meaningless. What you want to mm-hmm. do is show that you're a forward-thinking innovator. Maybe you use the word innovated as one of your bullet points, or maybe you talk about a project that you did that you know was new. You implemented a new system. You planned something. Like those are ways that you can show it. So you don't want to get so caught up in you know whatever jargon the the job posting might right. be putting out there. Think about how you can contextualize that and prove it rather than just you know, spit back to them. A lot of job postings will say like, we're a company of such and such jargon, buzzwords, like that, that doesn't right. belong on your resume. Yeah. And if you sh- use it exactly as said, then it kind of sounds like plagiarism a little bit. So, <laughs> it sounds like you aren't forward thinking. <laughs> um, but I, actually I did learn, I don't remember when I learned this, but I remember when I was putting together a resume, someone said, if you have specific things that you did, that should be in your resume. Like if you have any numbers to implement, that is something that stands out to show that you didn't genuinely, uh, that you didn't generally help with something that you did this. Yeah. You definitely want to add texture to your resume. You want to be specific. You want to add any achievements that you have. I would caution that you want to make sure that those are achievements you could back up. I've seen um, people write, like, I doubled the social media presence. And then you ask them, okay, well, what was the social media presence? And they're like, oh, well, you had 10 followers. And by the time I left, it was 20. Um, that's happened more than once um, on, for, with different people that I've worked with. And so I think, you know, you want to be cautious about how big the achievement was. If someone asks you to speak to it in an interview, can you back it up? Is there a different way? Like if, if you started growing the social media presence, for example, then you can talk about what that process was like, as opposed to some kind of metric just for metrics sake. Um, And if you don't have a number, there's another way to qualify your achievement. Also, you can just kind of add background to, you know, maybe something was a high rated show, or maybe there's, again, like a new system, maybe you saved money, you don't have the exact amount of money that you saved, but you know that you did, you can put those things in if you don't have a specific number and don't make up numbers. You know, don't, don't think, well, no one's going to check this. So if I say I increase revenue by 35%, you know, who's going to check the books? You don't want to lie on your resume like that. Even if it's an approximation, um, be careful there. Is there, are there any other sections on a resume that you recommend that people rarely use or anything else? At the bottom of the resume, we like to include a section called skills and interests. And these skills, like we said before, are not soft skills, but they're things like the computer softwares that you might need to know, especially because those are very important in certain jobs or any languages you speak. A lot of people forget to put foreign languages, but that's actually a really interesting thing that could get you ahead in many kinds of jobs. If you're a member of any professional organizations or volunteer organizations, that's relevant information as well. It just shows that you're involved. And we also like to have a little um, line about interests, personal interests that have nothing to do with work because they are sometimes really good conversation starters in an interview. And if you have something like you play Quidditch on the weekends, someone's going to ask you about that and it'll be a nice little icebreaker moment that'll make everyone feel more relaxed in the interview. Yeah, it's great if you're transitioning to an industry to indicate that interest. But if you're already working in an industry, you don't want to double down that that's the only thing you're interested in. So a lot of things we see in entertainment, people will write interest movies and it's like, duh, 
You know, you work in movies. Hopefully that's tell, true. Tell me something that I don't know that adds to the story. Because if you've been working in entertainment for five to six years, let your experience speak for itself. Show me something else about you. If you're brand new and you don't have any experience in the industry, you could write that you're interested in movies. That would be helpful to know why, you know, like you were interested in cupcakes for that bakery job. If you really wanted to transition to working in a bakery, putting interests as like cupcakes and baking with absolutely no experience would be helpful. But if you've been working in a bakery for a decade, we know. (laughs) Yeah. I have to be honest, though. I genuinely just wanted cupcakes and was hoping to find an outlet (laughs) to get them for free. (laughs) That's that's not a motivation to get a job. (laughs) Here I am paying full price for cupcakes still. (laughs) All right. So for cover letters, what do you write in it? And how do you make sure they aren't details that are just repeats from your resume? Well, the most important thing for a cover letter is that it should be short. It's not a college admissions essay. You're not creating a, oh, when I was a child, I dreamed of working in this. We don't care about your life story. It's very simple. So typically, a cover letter will have three paragraphs. The first paragraph will say, here's the job I'm applying for. Here's where I found it, which is very helpful for recruiters as well to track where you found it. Or if there's a referral, it'll give you some extra attention. And then you who you are. So that could be a variety of things. Most of the time, it'll be what you're doing now. Currently, I work as a whatever in this industry, but I'm looking to transition into this. So, you know, what you're doing and then what are your intentions? And if there's something really specific about that particular job, then you might include it there. For example, if you were really into social justice and this type of company was really committed to that, you could say, I, it really excites me that that this company does that. And And so I think it could be a great fit. That would be your first paragraph. Second paragraph is probably about three, two to three sentences that uh, explains why it makes sense for them to hire you. What are the skills that you have that, that do that? So you would say something like, in my current role at wherever, I do this and this and this. And then make sure that those things, whatever this and this and this is, is are some of the things that are at the top of the job posting. What are those key things that they're gonna wanna see in a candidate. Uh, and so it's just a few sentences explaining those top few things and that you've done them at other places. And then the last paragraph, you just kind of reiterate your interest and you say, I've attached my resume for your review. I look forward to hearing from you. And that's about it. It's really simple. We like yeah. to think about it as if you were telling your best friend or your mom why you were applying for this job. Um, you know, and they already know your backstory and your passion for whatever it was as a child, that you would say, like, I saw this job posting and I'm really excited about it because of X and I think I'd be really great at it. That's how you would communicate it to them. That's kind of the the tone and the length that you should be thinking about. That sounds perfect. And would you say that that if you are emailing to apply for the job, would you say that can be in the body of the email or should it be an attachment? It depends on what they ask for. So look at the posting because sometimes it will say email resumes and cover letters too. And in that case, you would have some, you want something in the body of the email. You'd have a shorter version in your email and then you would attach a formal cover letter. But if it says email resumes too, then you, you know, you want to give some context in the body of your email, but emails should be shorter. Cover emails should be shorter than cover letters. So you just keep it really simple. But you might have in that first paragraph, currently I'm doing this where I do cover this and this and this. And these are three things that they might want to see. And you've attached your resume. 
the other thing to notice in that first paragraph that Angela was talking about where you indicate what you're doing now, that's a great place to include any tricky information, like people who have to explain a significant gap or maybe you know relocating or willingness to relocate, anything that you're like, how will I communicate this to them? Very simply in that first paragraph of your cover letter, you know, I took a few years off to travel and now I'm looking to get back into the industry or I recently moved to Los Angeles and I'm looking to break in for my first job. So now we have our gorgeous resume and our gorgeous cover letter, um, but more often than not, hiring managers are also looking for referrals. Um, so who are they looking for? Who can we use for that? You should tell everyone you know what you're looking for um, and be specific. So we like to say it's important to find, uh, to make a list of target companies that you're really interested in and focus your networking towards those, trying to find people at those companies and also telling the people in your life that you want to work at that specific company. It's a lot easier for someone to refer you if you say, hey, I know you know so-and-so at this company, or do you know anyone at this company, as opposed to I'm looking for a new job, can you help me? Because uh, a vague request isn't really going to get you. So you want to tap into your network by being specific, by giving people the opportunity to really respond and, and do some of that work for them as to what you're really asking for. Um, but you know, a referral can come from anywhere. You don't know if you know, it's, it could be someone you've met professionally, but you might also have a casual acquaintance who happens to be, you know, roommates with someone who works at that company. So you really want to be telling everyone, um, you know, and it's certainly at a, at a lower level of any career, you want to be talking to um, people at your level, your peers, focusing your network there, as opposed to like trying to get meetings with a CEO, because CEOs aren't really doing the hiring. They're not necessarily going to remember you. They're very busy. But people at lower levels hear about job openings. They are looking for their replacements, things like that. So you want to focus your networking on your peers when you're first starting out. Yeah. I think it's important uh, for someone's mindset when it comes to that to remember that everyone should be helping each other. I think there's a lot of pressure to be envious or to make sure that you don't help someone because it'll hurt you. But working together is how we all move up. So I really like that advice. Yeah, the more you pay it forward, the more it'll, like one, it's good for the world, but it also always comes back to you because people know that you're paying it forward. They know that you know people. Um, and it's it's usually valuable to have a strong network. So if you're constantly paying it forward to people, people will see you as someone who has a strong network who they can tap into potentially for their next hire. And that's really great. Definitely. What are some ways and outlets to start networking? We love LinkedIn. We think LinkedIn is one of the most useful tools that you can have. So if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, create one and then fill it out. Make sure it actually has some information on it. And then what you want to do is you need to get to at least 500 connections for LinkedIn to start to be really useful to you. Um, so there's a little tool on there called people you may know that you can go just spend five minutes every day clicking the people that you know. Don't click people you don't know, but you'll, you know a lot of people and LinkedIn is able to kind of figure out everybody who you've ever talked to. It, it's got some interesting algorithms. So um, that's one thing. And then when if you are 
thinking about what types of jobs you want, we really recommend a targeted job search. So make a list of your top 10 dream companies or two. I mean, it doesn't matter however many, what are your dream companies? And then start making contacts at those companies. So go on LinkedIn, see who you know, who knows someone at those companies and see if they, they can introduce you just for an informational interview and just start building up a network that way. You can also, if there is a job posting, you could also probably find someone in the department to send your resume to if you know something is open and you've seen that posted somewhere. So it's a really great tool for just identifying the people that you want to meet and building up a network. Yeah. Informational interviews are so key. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of with one. The, the worst thing that happens if you ask for one is that someone will say no. And then you're just in the same position that you were before. So if you, if you come to an informational interview really well prepared with good, strong questions, and then you follow up appropriately, um, which we could talk about follow-ups, um, but that'll really help you understand what the person does and, and give you access to someone who's, whose role is interesting to you. And it doesn't really matter where you are in your career. If you're looking to make a transition, it's okay to ask to sit down with someone who's doing something that's of interest to you to meet them for coffee. Even if you kind of know what they do, you don't know everything. Um, so mm -hmm. feel free to just meet them or say, you know, I want to meet you for coffee and, and pick your brain about, you know, this new company that you're at now and, and hear what it's like for you. Because um, it seems really interesting from everything I've read about it. And that's, okay even like in the middle of your career i agree i think taking that initiative is something that totally stands out and I, this actually reminded me um i interned at nickelodeon actually so um angela you and i have nickelodeon in common um and there was this career services um contest at my university and you just applied with what your internship was how you got it and i ended up being one of the winners and we had been interviewed and then they made these giant like poster billboard things for the career services office and they used um like from my chin to my forehead of a photo which is unfortunate but it did quote uh something that i had said in the interview which was basically what we're saying now that you never know if someone is someone that can help you or knows someone that can help you because that's how we can move up is connections and genuinely caring about other people and being forward. What is that phrase? Paying it forward. Paying it forward. There we go. Oh, man. I think this was very helpful advice, basic advice that can help anybody with their resumes and their job searching. Um, in the future, we can absolutely do a part two on career help, discussing finding the best job opportunities, interviewing skills, getting through that first day, and like you mentioned, follow-up skills. Um, but until then, how can people get in touch with you to receive more advice and utilize more of your experience? They can visit our website is hollywood-resumes.com and we have a free weekly career tips newsletter that we would highly encourage anyone who's interested to sign up for. We cover all kinds of career advice from the job search to succeeding in a job. Um, so that's really great. And keep an eye also on our there's a page on our website with speaking engagements and classes, and sometimes we're offering online classes. So for any new ones that pop up. You can also follow us on, on Facebook. We will share our, our blog posts and our newsletters and some other information there as well. You guys have so much helpful advice, and I think you share that advice very effortlessly. So thank you so much. I'm sure you guys need to get back to rescuing other people from their resumes. <laughs> so thank you for being part of the show, and thanks everyone for tuning in. And we look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. If there is a basic task or aspect of life that you cannot grasp, 
or if you want to learn more about this topic, email howdidigetthisfar at gmail.com and tag at howdidigetthisfarpod on Instagram with your helpful hacks. Finally, please give the podcast a rating and review so the show can continue tackling more struggles. But that's as far as we will get for now. I'm Amanda Ogan. Thanks for listening.